What's going on, my friends? This is Dustin with Electrician U. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we are talking about tips for handling emergencies on jobs. Um, it can be anything from electrical injuries to non-electrical injuries, um, any kind of like miscellaneous things. So maybe not even injuries, like uh, it could be products or equipment setting on fire or um, just anything. Like uh, even emergencies arise when you're at work and you have to leave work. So this episode is all just miscellaneous emergency related stuff. So uh, let's break into it. Rotec BDO, how you guys doing? I'm doing good. You know, one thing about emergencies, you know, I, w- I always think about that. It's like that unexpected thing because you always want to be able to plan and prepare for an emergency. But when that emergency comes, that's like the true test of whether you've had that like emergency preparedness. And um, so that's kind of what I'm getting out of this topic today. I know we didn't do any pre-discussion on it, but I'm kind of like thinking like along those lines. Yeah, I mean, I think with with emergencies, I, like preparedness does help right i would say if there's got to be statistics out there that show that preparedness helps otherwise there wouldn't be all this money spent and time spent by companies to train people but i find a lot of times when it comes down to it it's it's an emergency for a reason because it just came up out of nowhere Mm -hmm. and it seems to be that some individuals have that thing where they step forward into an emergency and then some people run away from it or some people just freeze altogether right the fight flight or freeze thing Yes. Um, but I think in handling emergencies, it's really helpful if you can develop the skill to be the person that leans into things and steps up um, because somebody has to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk a little bit. Do you any, do either of you have a story specifically about either like an electrical injury that's happened uh, on the job site or just some kind of crazy emergency that you've seen something happen on a job site? I have uh, like an electrical adjacent story about handling emergencies. Okay. Um, one of the old companies we worked for, we had these sledgehammers that we had taken the heads off and welded onto inch and a quarter black pipe to use mm. to drive ground rods. Yeah. So you would slot the whole hammer over top of it and you would just throw it basically, right? Yeah. So we were setting a ground rod. And I was giving it my all to get this thing. And we got it about five foot down. I'm like, all right, it's not going any, it's not going down anymore. I'm not a small person. If it's, if it's set, it's set. Right. Mm-hmm. And so my German's like, nah, nah, I'll get it down. I'll get it down. So he grabs the hammer. I walk back to the truck, grab us some waters and start drinking my water here. Ping, ping. And then I hear him scream. Oh, fuck and the sledgehammer goes flying across the uh, in between the houses and i'm like haha this dumbass just punched a meter can so i walk over there and he's got his hand wrapped around his pinky and he walks over to the truck he's like get the paper towels right now so i get the paper towels and i open he opens his hand and his pinky is sideways and almost sheared off (laughs) (laughs) because what had happened was is he was sliding the handle up his pinky got underneath the 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 black pipe and he threw it down on top of the ground rod and in between the rod and the 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 sledgehammer Oh man! Uh, oh, I feel uh, my pinky right now. I can actually yeah. feel that. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what's the takeaway? Like, how did y'all handle the situation? So, uh, we we started to like triage, like you know, 
paper towels, like electrical tape, get the bleeding to stop. And then it just so happened our foreman rolled around the corner and I like ran into the street, waved him down. I'm like, hey, Andrew, how are you? How do you handle blood? A lot of blood. <laughs> so you, you did not have any prior training. <laughs> um, I can make wounds stop bleeding. I didn't know what they wanted to do. With, I was still new to the company. Yeah. So, you know, some companies, they don't want you to treat this. They just want you to go to the care now or emergency room. They don't want you to do any kind of field treating to it. Um, so he's like, what happened? I'm like, well, Jerry about ripped his fucking binky off. And, <laughs> so- <laughs> and he's like, what the fuck? He stops getting out of the car and runs over to the, to, um, to Jerry. They start, they get him in the, in the, uh, truck and they go to the care now and he ended up saving it. So he was fine, but yeah. So still has a fully operational pinky. For the most part, yeah. <laughs> For the most part, okay. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, that's a good story. Uh, BDL, yeah. what about you? Okay, so I was in this town outside of Philadelphia, um, place called Bala Kenwood, um, and it's a very, very old city, old town. Like I guess going back to the seventeen, eighteen hundreds or something like that, and. Um, so as it would be like a lot of the underground utilities are not not marked very well and so we were constructing a brand new building a brand new high-rise apartment building and um for the most part everything went well on this site at this point they were like you know doing all the site work as far as like cutting out for the um um, i guess the lawn or the drainage pond and that sort of thing and um they hit a um, high voltage utility line and um, first thing we notice is while the excavator, the excavation guy, he's digging up the hole and everything, um, this big, gigantic, I guess, four-inch cast iron pipe pops up out of the ground. And he thinks nothing of it because, again, this is a new construction site. Everything supposedly has been marked off. Um, even, like, the inspector and the building engineers have, like, given us a whole perimeter where it was, like, pretty much safe to dig. And so when he saw that four-inch cast iron pipe come around he thought nothing of it and started yanking on it you know even saw the conductors you know in the area where it was broken he kept pulling on it eventually started smoking um and so that's when we stopped because you know something just wasn't right and so we have our superintendent and our um, site engineer everybody's like just you know putting eyes on it to see exactly what's going on well there's a fitness center like a gym um across the street and that whole their whole service equipment catches on fire as a result of what we were doing underground. Um, and so the building is starting to catch on fire here. So they call the fire department. And um, it was amazing because I don't know if this is like a common occurrence, but the fire department seemed to know what to do about electrical emergencies. It's like they knew like, you know, how to um, disconnect the power lines, or at least they got like the utility companies involved. But uh, basically as much smoke um as there was coming out of their uh, meter can and all the service equipment outside, you just knew that that gym was just going to burn down. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, they were, they were able to jump on it and get the whole thing handled like in less than like 10, 15 minutes. Oh, wow. So the building was saved? Yes, the building was saved. The only thing that was oh, destroyed wow. was the service equipment outside. Holy cow. Well, that's a yeah. good, like, that's a good ending to that scenario. Absolutely. But the more scary part was like the guy in the excavator, because, you know, I'm thinking like the equipment is, you know, sitting, you know, on this wet, loose soil, pulling up live electrical lines, you know? Yeah. I mean, who's to say Uh, that it could have blown up that um, piece of equipment? Yeah, man, I'm real uh, skeptical when I'm, when I've got any kind of equipment, especially like lifting up light poles out at Mm -hmm. the end of a street (laughs) next to utility lines. 
Yeah. Um, I, you know, I always have somebody watching and then when you're sitting there and you're lifting it and it's like a 25 foot pole. So you got to lift it 30 feet in the air. Mm-hmm. You're like, you can't tell from behind how close you are to the lines. The guys on the ground are always like, nah, dude, you got like 13 feet. You're fine. And it's like, no dude, I'm like two feet away. And they're like, no, just trust me. Yeah, dude. It's a, I, I couldn't imagine hitting a line and just killing oh, yeah. yourself. Oh yeah. Ugh. Well, that's, a, that's a good story too holy shit yeah but all right so, dustin your turn what you got well so i have a story that's very uh it's about fire too and so i was on a job site but it wasn't and it was an electrical fire but it didn't have anything to do with the building so um there was a um big church that we were blowing up to be one of those like massive broadcasts you know super every all on tv kind right. of churches yeah. mm-hmm. and so uh we were inside wiring and all of a sudden somebody runs inside and they're like hey fire and everybody's like what what are you talking about they're like who and he, the guy didn't speak very, uh, very much english but he was just like blue truck blue truck fire and we we're like blue truck what the fuck is he talking about because he was like yelling it so we really couldn't even hear what he was saying mm-hmm. and i was like blue truck one of the guys i work with he's got a blue truck and so a few people ran outside and I, uh, I, before even like knowing what was going on, I just saw a fire extinguisher and I grabbed a fire extinguisher and ran out and sure as shit, dude, the guy that we worked with, his dash was on fire. And so the, um, the, the whole cab was filling up with smoke and the mm-hmm. cab was shut. And so it's pressurizing with all of that smoke and that fire inside. And so luckily one of the kids that was under me, one of the apprentices was a volunteer firefighter and he runs over and he starts trying to smash the windshield just to be able to let the smoke come out. Right. And, uh, he he smashed it, you know, got like a good hole in it. Smoke started pillowing pillowing out and we still didn't know what the fuck the deal was. Truck was locked. And so we just started shattering windows and, uh, I, took that can and just started dumping it in on the dash while it it was an electrical fire. Right. So like Mm -hmm. I emptied a whole fucking fire extinguisher into that dash and it just kept roaring. And so like I started yelling at more people like call 911 because we need to get the fire department out here, but I still need to dump as many of these things down here as I can until they get here because it's the only thing that's kind of maybe a possibility of slowing it. So yeah. like we, I probably dumped that shit, you know, like four or five, probably every one of the damn fire extinguishers that they had in that building mm-hmm. by the time, but it just kept roaring, dude. It was melting the dash and, uh, um, it just started getting bigger and bigger. And finally the fire department showed up. And at this point, like we backed away because the whole interior was, was, uh, um, on fire. And then it started getting into the engine bay and it was in the back. Like, dude, this dude's tools every tool he had all sawzalls like everything for years i mean he's doing this for like 25 years so he had been collecting special hex bit sets and like everything you can imagine and you wouldn't you wouldn't believe how much things that you wouldn't think would burn completely disappear in a fire like that like that was a blazing crazy fire and you know he had a full tank of gas too so that shot up in flames and uh, finally, the, as the whole fucking truck was on fire, the fire department finally got there. And uh, this thing, this, the flames were probably like 30 feet up in the air. I mean, it was, it was so impressive. I actually, I think I have some footage or some like video. I don't think I have it on this phone though. Fuck, I, I can probably share this story with you guys though in Discord at some point. Um, anyway, so fire department shows up and they like, just like you were saying, they knew exactly what to do, how to handle it. Yeah. And they dumped, they brought that truck over there and they poured 
so much water on that truck and it just oh. kept going dude it kept going and kept going and kept going and yeah. finally they got it out but you could see that it was electrically related because underneath the truck there was like wires hanging down and the wiring harnesses and everything and it was just sparking and, and flames were coming out of it no matter how much water they put on this truck it wouldn't go out and finally like after the whole fucking truck burned to the ground pretty much it finally extinguished itself and mm-hmm. then the fire department left and as they left they get a quarter mile down the road and that fucker starts up on fire again oh yeah i was about to see i was about to ask that because i've seen the exact same thing happen before you know they yeah, leave, dude. leaving you know it just, goes up again <laughs> yeah like blazing fire again it was really cold i don't know again we're like dude get back out here and the crazy thing is on the job site people were like starting to get into fights with each other because like uh other people had just bought new cars and they were par- it was parked right next to everybody oh, else's car so yeah. people were like get out of the way i need to move my car right, and then other right. people were parked and they didn't want to get any closer and there was no way to move so people were like screaming at each other throwing shit at each other and like it just created chaos for a minute but um you know like running out to try to take care of the problem is uh, is at least something like somebody needs to be the one to like do something right like mm-hmm. if nobody in the group knows what to do or can think fast on their feet like okay gotta call nine one one, gotta like move cars so we don't have seven fi- yeah. cars on fire you know um yeah that was a pretty crazy like hectic experience Right, but I think it's like you know when we when we're always forced to comply with different kinds of um, safety procedures and standards and like fire lanes and no parking here and that sort of thing. It's like we almost take for granted that um, a lot of these things are put in place to protect us. So like when something like that happens, all of the people who know what to do will have exactly what they need. They'll have like the you know required clearance or space or you know working room or what have you. So you know, yeah. Yeah, man. And I was, that was the first time. Cause you know, I'd always heard as an apprentice, like you don't, you can't put an electrical fire out with water. Like don't try to start spraying water on it. Yeah. Right. Um, but you just, you just never see something like that happen. And then once you do, you're like, Oh, I get it now. Like, yeah, there's so much battery in that battery. <laughs> it's have, you, just, have you seen people like throwing water on like switch gears and just exploding? Like no. switch gear fires. Oh, they're all over YouTube, man. You should look those up. They're entertaining. Well, entertaining, <laughs> but yeah. It's you you see a switch gear catch on fire, someone walks over with a bucket of water and throws it on there and woof the whole uh, room's full of fire now. Yeah, stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, there was a transformer. I went to a uh, this building one time, and um, I was just like shopping, and this transformer blew, and power went out everywhere. Um, so I walk outside, and I knew immediately. I just looked over at a transformer, and I could smell, uh, you know, that that burnt electrical insulation smell. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Fuck, that thing just uh, that thing blew." So like, we have to wait for power company to come out. We're all dead in the water, and then yeah. all of a sudden, it just starts shooting out flames out of it and starts billowing up smoke and it's like fuck oh no and that's of course what everybody in the area did they're like go get the hoses go get water and i like screamed out like no get the fuck away from there like don't put water on it stay away from it Mm -hmm. yep so crazy well what about um what about like tool um Cool emergencies. Have you ever get, have you ever like cut yourself so bad that you had to go to the emergency room? 
Oh, uh, I have um I have a story I, I don't think I can tell on the podcast because it didn't happen to me. Um but I have had like drills or whole hogs uh humble me you know like you're up in an attic trying to drill down do a yeah. uh, top plate hit a nail it kicks you out and throws you across the joists oh yeah god yeah respect your drills hogs. respect them <laughs> yeah dude that whole hog in the first speed that low yeah. torque speed oh that'll that'll toss you around like a rag doll no matter how big a person you are <laughs> yes it will yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen people break their wrists with that thing. It's, it's not. It's not pretty. Yeah, have you ever whopped yourself in the face with it? I have not, thankfully. But I, I've done it with a regular, you know, uh, eighteen volt drill, but ne- never with a whole hog. Yeah, well, I've done both. <laughs> <laughs> that thing pulls right out of your hand, man, and it just comes around and smacks you right in the face. Mm-hmm. You know, they t- they teach us this in football, Dustin. It's called "Don't Lead with Your Head." <laughs> <laughs> What can I say, man? I'm headstrong. All right. I'm always leaning into stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I've cut myself so many times too. Like um, I've filleted my hands open, my uh, wrists open, uh, just cutting with, you know, cutting UF and then the blade yeah. slips or yeah. um, I can't tell you how many times like pictures I have of my forehead just bloody because I like stabbed myself with a nail, like a roofing nail up in an attic. Yep, but, but like the one thing that I always do is I immediately grab my electrical tape and wrap the shit out of my finger until it hurts, you know, yeah. until like yeah. I, I know it's, yeah, I know it's going to turn purple, but it's like, at least it's going to stop the bleeding for now until I can get out to the truck and like, or drive to a hospital and deal with it. Yeah. But that's why, like, you know, like a certain job sites, you know, especially if you have a, of a certain size or a certain number of workers, they actually have an on-site medic that can treat you so that we don't have to, like, go to a, um, you know, a, um, emergency room or something like that. Yeah, because there's a greater liability, too. And when you've got, you know, leaving a job site or driving somebody to a job, if something happens, mm-hmm. there's all these lines of liability. So it's a on a huge job like that, that makes sense to have medics. But shoot mm-hmm. nothing small like we're working on ever has anything like that. I, I think knowing where your first aid kit is you know even though first yeah. aid kit's just fucking electrical tape for most of us mm-hmm. right. oh dude not for me i keep a fully stocked i will buy in a first aid kit that's like a little bit bigger but it's big enough to or small enough still to fit under my seat and i'll go through it and i'll go to like cvs or something like that and i'll buy a whole bunch of extra stuff that's yeah. not in there and i just keep a I keep everything. So like everybody always knows about me when there's something on a job site, like I've got every kind of tape, I've got every gauze strip and band aid that goes around your different fingers and curves. And like, I get the good stuff too. I don't get that like cheap, right. like plastic silicone band aid bullshit. I get the like fabric weaved, you know, good stuff. <laughs> yeah. So here's an interesting question I have for both of y'all. Would right. you think it'd, it'd make sense for companies to incentivize guys to get first aid trained on jobs besides just, you know, the, the foreman? So way everyone has like a baseline of how to treat immediate wounds and shit. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a good idea whether or not it's like worth, you know, like cost worth or anything like that. I think you're still going to run into the vast majority of people that, are not going to know what to do in the middle of a situation and they're still just going to freeze up. And a lot of people, if they take a class and then they're a journeyman for like eight years, 
they're not going to remember anything. Like, you know, somebody starts seizing and it's like, uh, do I lift their legs or do I lift their head <laughs> or do I make them bite? Like, what do I do? I stick a hammer in their mouth, you know? What? So like first aid is something or CPR is something like you need to kind of keep up with and continue the education on it and continue the practice on it. Otherwise it's kind of worthless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's thinking, not, oh, go ahead, B. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, because it's not something that like that kind of emergency doesn't happen every single day. So it's like when you do your cost benefit analysis, I mean, okay, so you can't put a cost on a human life or saving somebody's, you know, one of their limbs or whatever, but, um, but it's like, when you do that cost benefit analysis and let's say you have a hundred people on the job site, are you going to lose that, you know, 800 man hours or CPR class or for a first aid class, nothing ever happens. Um, and so you kind of roll the dice with that where it's like, and we had a couple unfortunate situations on my job site where two people died from heart attack. Um, and, um, you know, we had employees there who knew how to do CPR and that sort of thing. Um, but still just the fact like you say, oh man, we could have saved his life if we would have trained everybody. But then, you know, from the time that the job site started to the time that these two incidents happened, um, yeah, probably everybody would have froze up and those who really, you know, did it on a regular basis were the ones who were able to help. So it's almost like if, 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 you know, knowing CPR first aid is your thing, you know, you're probably going to be the one that steps in anyway when something like this happens. Yeah. And I, I also think that it would be a better idea for like nationwide if we required first aid training for continuing education. Uh So like our continuing education in most states in America, I mean, only half the states even require continuing education. And then out of that, there's only like maybe there's less than five states that actually really put time into making sure that people are learning more things and continuing their education and their craft. Most of it is just a bunch of BS for state paperwork. And so it's like, let's just keep reviewing code changes for three years and just do the same stupid nonsensical thing without putting any importance on electrical safety. Like a lot of it will be like, oh, you have to go through some NFPA uh, 70E stuff. But it's like, that's lockout, tag out, and making sure companies are setting up procedures of training. You know, like it's stupid. So I think honestly, like one hour of CPR training for every year that you have to renew, even if people only pay attention every three years, Mm. every year they have to renew their license. So I think at least just hearing when a stroke happens, you do this with a heat stroke, you do this with a blah, 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 you do this, you know, Mm. like I think it'd be a smart idea and it would actually benefit people greater than the same three years of code changes Mm -hmm. that nobody cares about. Yeah, most definitely. But you know, wow. if I you know, um, preventative measure, um, you know, it's like some of the things that we take for granted. Um, you know, many years ago, um, the um, we we had a fire inspection, and the fire inspector he walks into the building, takes a look around, and he says, "Okay, here's your paperwork. You failed." And we're thinking, how did we fail our fire alarm inspection? And you didn't do anything. You just walked through the front door and uh, just handed us the paperwork. And so, you know, we didn't say that to him, but, you know, he could he could read our mind. And he knew what we were thinking. And so he said, and here's why you failed. And, like, he's going around the room. He says, Brock, what's the address of this building? I said, oh, I don't know. Dustin, what's the address of this building? I don't know. Uh, Matt, what's the address of this building? I don't know. Zach. And, and, you know, we were just saying, we don't know, we don't know. And he said, exactly. So if there was ever a fire or some other 911 emergency in this building uh could you tell them exactly where we were and you know even though we knew we went there every day you know for work for this construction site um we didn't really know what to tell somebody what the address was and what he was saying was that like because you don't have like the address of the building 
on the front of the building where it's so obvious that you know what the address is or that you can't run out there and find out um that that's the reason why you would fail because um you don't have that preventative that little piece of preventative information in there that could help you in the case of an emergency and you know this was a few years ago so this was before you know you had like the gps tracking on smartphones and other ways of like tracking down wherever the call was coming from and so um that was just like one of those you know valuable lessons that we learned and so it's like to this day anytime i go to a new job site i always want to know what the address of the building is because if i ever have to call 911 for an emergency situation i want to be able to i can't tell them you know i'm i'm at the park and fifth uh construction project because the 911 operator especially now they're outsourcing 911 in most cities and towns you you know they're not going to be able to know the city well enough to be able to like pinpoint where you are so um yeah, you, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say that's just a really good idea in general for mm -hmm. even keeping because you're always referring to a place that you go by the address. So even I can't tell you every day, multiple people are like, hey, man, do you remember the address to this one yeah. mm -hmm. house? I'm out in the neighborhood. So one trick that I use, I used to read a lot about mnemonics and which is just like using really bizarre, silly things that aren't real in your head to correlate them to real information. Yeah. Um, because half the things that we come across every day, like, I don't even remember what I ate for lunch today. And right. I, you know, um, but cause it's just the same things that there's nothing new that stands out. So if you can make really bizarre, crazy things stand out, you can memorize anything. You can memorize like, um, 50,000 numbers in a row. If you just tell yourself every number has a story. So like yeah. I would mess with this a lot. And one thing I used to do is I would remember people's house numbers based off of the shape of their house. So right. when I look at their house, I would sit and look at it and like really look at it and look at all the shapes and everything. And I would take the house number and somehow try to make shapes around the garage door and like the columns if there was a one one i would you know i would just draw their number on their house and so it allowed me every time i would picture that customer in my head i immediately was able to recall the address but yeah. for that reason for the emergency reason man that's a really good idea i never really thought about that as a reason mm -hmm. enough Oh yeah, yes. as a as a service guy, like you know, I have the I have the address of the of the um, property on my phone, so I can just look at it real quick, write it down, then call number one or uh, as I'm on the phone with the operator, just look at the app. Um, that's an interesting point because I guess on commercial sites it's more of an issue. Yeah, and if you don't have your <laughs> if you don't have your phone on you or something like that, you know, and a lot of times when a, when a new build's going on, they don't even have address numbers on the place; they don't even have a curb built. So it could just be a completely new building and some, nobody's going to know what the address is. But I mean, worst case scenario in an emergency, just go look next door and be like, uh, it's this address. It, it's the big burning thing next to this address. Right. <laughs> or, or you can just go look at the plans that should be posted on the job site that yeah, has absolutely. the address yeah. on it most 100% of the time. Of the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, most of the time it is. Right, because you know you're still getting deliveries. So if you're getting UPS deliveries and other material shipments, uh, um, you still have to have an address established in order for them to do that. Yeah, and so I imagine that that a real good GC would probably even you know call the local authorities and say, "Hey, I'm building a site here. Here's my address. If you ever get a call from here, this is who we are and where we are and what we're doing." There are no yeah. good GCs. Don't lie to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, here most of the time we have to put the address on the T pole and we have to make it large and legible. And mm -hmm. even if we write it on there and it's too small, they'll still fail it. 
they'll be like, sorry, you need to come back and use like spray paint or something. Because even just for the the power company to come out, if there's three houses around, they're all going up and they don't know which house is which address. Um, so there's a place you could look at the address. A lot of times they'll have permits posted. So there might be like a big uh, wooden structure that they put up at the front of a house. That's like so-and-so construction project or whatever. They might actually have the permits laminated mm-hmm. and stuck on there and the permits are going to have the address. So there's, there's a lot of ways that you can get it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, so I think that we should actually have some kind of like tips, right? This is called tips yes. for handling emergencies, <laughs> not yep. stories. Well, I mean, we like. have we have first aid kits. We have where to find the address in case your building catches on fire. Mm-hmm. I guess you're right. That yeah. is that is legitimate. That's legitimate tips. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think my takeaway that I that I want people to um, to understand is in an emergency. Um, there there always needs to be somebody that steps up or steps into a problem that gets people moving because a lot of the times in an emergency situation even if it's just like um you know a downed power line or something like most people just stand there and stare at it or like pull their phones out there needs to be somebody that has the kind of like i I guess strength of character i don't know but somebody like handles situations when they arise and yeah. when something comes up, somebody needs to yell like, Do, yo, hey, go call 911. Hey, go move this over here. Hey, run and get this over here. You know, like, mm-hmm. and, and it's not even like, it's not like a thing where you need to just unnecessarily step in when it's already being taken care of. Right. It's just that a group of people during chaos often need to be led into like where to go and what to do. Yeah, and, right. Move along. There's nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. Move along. Yeah. But you know, like without it, they don't know what the hell to do. So like, you know, somebody being able to act and just understand what's the first thing that needs to happen right now. Everybody needs to get the fuck out of here because they're standing around and they're going to burn on fire. Cool. Get out of the way and then call 911, you know, and try, just try to get somebody that can handle the situation. But the other thing about a lot of these emergencies that we've talked about fires, stuff like that, we're not the people that are going to take care of the problem. So we are just trying to kind of triage a situation and trying to make sure that everybody else around is safe and that it like nobody is going to get hurt if there's a crazy emergency. Um, Mm -hmm. And then at that point it's, it's out of your hands, you know, like call nine one one, but even for, you know, something like an electrical injury. Right. So I don't know if most people like think about this or not, but when you get shocked AC and DC, the shock's going to be different. So when AC uh, enters skin tissue, because it's alternating, it's kind of sporadic as to where the current goes. So there's not like a solid direct path that current can travel through. So a lot of times, depending on the voltage, depending on if you're wet, if there's certain resistance to the current, all those things, all those factors. Um, But most of the time, a similar DC uh, shock or electrocution to an alternating current one, the DC is going to be worse because the DC takes a very direct and consistent constant path through your body. So if you're going through your heart, you have a chance with AC that it's just going to kind of go everywhere all over the place. Whereas if it's DC, it's going to run straight through you. But the one thing a lot of people don't consider is the time of exposure that you have to electrical shock is going to make or break what happens to you. So like if somebody's stuck, you know, they're, they're like holding on to something, they've fallen into a panel and they're like stuck there, right? Because it's just gripping them. 
that you have to get them off immediately. You have to take something mm-hmm. non-conductive, like a big piece of wood, two by four or something. Don't get like a piece of metal or else you're going to be stuck with them, but mm-hmm. get something non-conductive and literally hit them or, you know, pull them off. Um, a lot of the utility or not even utility guys, a lot of people that work in like um, industrial settings when they're, they're uh, switching huge GFIs on like a 2000 amp switch gear. They're wearing a full flash suit. They got a dude with a like 10 foot stick behind them. That's fully insulated stick with a hook around it. And they hook it around their body. And if that thing blows, they're going to pull on them to get them away from it. So it's really, it's really like you, you got to try to limit the exposure during a shocker electrocution. The longer that your skin is exposed to uh, current going through it, the more it's going to start going up degrees in burn. And so it's going to start blackening the skin and charring the skin. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I want to go back to what you were saying about someone needs needing to step up and be the the coordinator when emergencies happening. I want to play devil's advocate for a second. Sure. Um, so as as let's say you're going into what you, your electricians only electricians are on site that day. Wouldn't it be safe to assume that your foreman or the person who's in charge of that job that day needs to be the one to be able to handle the responsibility of shit hitting the fan? You would hope so, but no, man, some people, when stress happens, they freeze and they lock up and they don't handle really high risk or, you know, high, um, intense situations. Some people uh, may know less, but may know how to step up. You know, like I was saying with that fire, that kid that was working for us, the brand new apprentice, kind of a dummy, you know, I liked him. He was like a derpy puppy of a man or of a, of a boy. But he knew exactly what to do in the situation. And all it took him saying is, hey, I'm a, vo- I'm a volunteer firefighter. We got to go break that glass. You know, and like immediately everybody was like, oh, this dude knows what to do. Mm-hmm. So it didn't matter who he was. It was just somebody knows what to do and they're making the right decisions. So I'm going to yeah. follow them. Mm-hmm. But so you know, go- what you were saying though, Rotag, like you'd think somebody too that's been in this for a really long time has probably seen a lot of stuff and knows how to handle situations. So I think you're right. Yeah, in that regard i mean it just kind of depends it really just depends i mean if you don't know what you're doing obviously don't just step in and start trying to do stuff but if there's a you know if if you are somebody that um you can figure out what to do i i think maybe i like i'm just like that in life i'm always a step in person and step instead of a step away person so maybe it's right just but then I think that everybody has the ability to step in on something, depending on the kind of emergency it is. You know, it's like if you had like one of these, you know, big job site disasters. Okay, I'm not the guy, but let's say if your car broke down on the middle lane of the interstate, I would know how to handle that situation. And I know how to stop traffic and I know how to get people over and get help pushing over. And I need you over here and you over here. So I think everybody kind of has their forte with handling an emergency based upon, you know, whatever experience or let's say just life struggles they've had in the past. Yeah, I think you're right because you're absolutely right. Like when I see somebody on the side of the road, I <clears throat> I always stop mm-hmm. and I just at least you know I'm, I'm like, do you need help? And I don't think about like, am I qualified to help? Can I do <laughs> anything about it? You know, it's yeah. more just like uh, I'm going to stop and offer, and if I can give you a ride, if I can let you use my phone, if you're hurt, like at least I can be someone to move around and make the situation different if mm-hmm. it needs to be different. Mm-hmm. but yes. you're right though that's i think that's just my like i take on that role 
So that's that's not always the case that everybody, not everybody needs to be the leader in a chaotic situation. Right, right? Everyone can. If you don't know anything, you need to shut up and get out of the way or follow orders. Exactly. Right. But I but I don't want to sit here and preach to everybody also. When chaos happens, don't do anything. Just just be the person that doesn't step in and, and just follows the herd. You know, like well, you I, have I to feel- you, you you have to keep in mind like if if you're in a situation where like shit's really gone south, you have to prioritize yourself and your own safety first. Yes. And then if you can help other people attempt to but you have to prioritize your own safety first you can't be trying to help other people out and then get, and then you get caught up like, i know it's like oh you're you go down as a hero but that's just that's not that's not the right thing to do in my opinion it always works out on tv though and movies yeah yeah, yeah it does <laughs> yeah but uh, so that's where i hardcore disagree with you but again it's i think it's just a it it that's my mentality is like i'm always okay you know, if I see somebody fall into like a huge pit of water, like I'll jump in there and help, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not thinking about my own safety most of the time when a situation arises, like mm-hmm. if two people are out in the street, uh, and some dudes like wailing on a woman or something like that, I'm going to go step in. I don't care if that dude's twice my size, I'm going to start, I'm going to go in swinging. I'm probably gonna get my ass kicked, but like, I, I don't do that. And maybe I should more often. I don't, I mean, I don't know, but it, uh, I just, I can't step back and let a situation go to shit when I know there's something I can do about it. So maybe that's the better message. Yes, exactly. If you can help and it's not going to immediately kill you, then yeah, help them. But if it's going to, well, yeah, I'm not going to die for you. (laughs) If you're going down, bro, I'll recognize that real quick and be like, sorry, man, I'll, I'll pray to the Jeebus for you, but uh, that's about all I got. Or if you're private, you say, Hey, I was going to help, but I had a cup of coffee in my hand. (laughs) Yeah. Do you know how much Starbucks to... costs right now? Like yeah, shit, exactly. dude. Right. Oh, dude, have you have you had Starbucks delivered by like uh, DoorDash in no, a while? I haven't. Oh man, I paid fifteen dollars for a coffee to get <laughs> delivered to my house because it's like a seven dollar delivery fee plus wow. a tip, and you wow. got to give them like the third tier, the third option over kind of a tip you know like you can't give them the low one because it's only a coffee and it's five in the morning you gotta give them like one more dollar anyways off topic yeah (laughs) 15 dozens living his best life right now no that sucked man when i saw 15 dollars for a coffee i'm like jesus what am uh what am i doing with my life it was probably cold by the time you got it anyway no it was pretty good those uh those early morning runners man they're on point they're you know they get out there early they're fully awake they're taking trips to the airport like these dudes are on point because usually when i go to the airport i always go really really early and it's funny because the the people driving i feel like they've all been up since like three o'clock running marathons like they're so bubbly and full of energy and i'm like shut up dude i don't want to talk to you like i got my airpods in because i'm trying to not talk to you and i obviously have my phone in front of my face not talking to you stop talking to me (laughs) Now, one thing that we haven't covered is like um, when you have a personal emergency on a job site, uh, emergency that's personal in nature, Um, because like a lot of times, like, let's say, like, if you have an elderly relative at home or let's say you have a special needs child and something, you know, happens at their school and you kind of have to excuse yourself from the job site, um, 
I know it's like sometimes, you know, you may have to drop what you're doing and go see about it. And then sometimes I think there are ways to handle these emergencies where you don't necessarily have to drop what you're doing, but pretty much say, uh, you know, you can kind of manage that emergency and not necessarily um, run away every time you get some bad news. Um, so I don't know what you guys think about that when, when it comes to like personal emergencies where you have to leave the job site or kind of takes away from, a f you know, for a few days. So I have a good one for that. There's a guy that I know that was just, uh, that just had a, a baby recently uh -huh. and he lived probably like an hour outside of town. And it was, we were like an hour and a half in the opposite direction of his house. So it would have taken him two and a half hours to get home. Yeah. Just, you know, realistically, he just had a baby. So I'm like kind of high alert about everything, mm. but his, uh, his wife kept calling him and like kind of getting irritable because she, she hasn't had a baby where, you know, she's dealt with like a crying baby, not stopping crying. So he was, he was saying like, dude, I got to leave work because my kid's crying. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, right. <laughs> Your kid's crying. So let him cry. You know, like, what are you talking about? Well, I don't know. I just don't want him to like die or something. I'm like, kids cry, bro. They're yeah. like, they're inconsolable sometimes. You know, like mm -hmm. I used to leave my kid sit and cry specifically. So he would just learn to self soothe. You know, like if there's nothing they can do, if they're fed, if they've got a good diaper and you've checked yes. all of the orifices and there's nothing swollen or broken or, you know, at a mm -hmm. certain point, I'm like, you do not, this is not an emergency, man. You do not need to leave and go drive two and a half hours. What are you going to solve while that two and a half hours is going by? Like right. if there's a yeah. real problem, she needs to go to the emergency room right now, not wait mm -hmm. two and a half hours for you to get there. Right. You know, so assessing when something's actually an emergency and when it's not is a skill I see. And a lot of these younger people that are coming up don't really, they don't know when something's an emergency. It's like right. they, they're kind of looking to just bail on a situation really quickly. So as the younger generation, up and coming mm -hmm. kids, I have, mm -hmm. a, I have a comment about that. Sure. Wait, how old hey, are you? 24. Uh, you're not, I mean, when I say younger kids, I'm talking about like the, the 14 to 18 year olds right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, they just don't know. Like they don't know what the fuck's an emergency and what's not an emergency. Like no one has taught them or they haven't experienced that shit. So you, I, you can, you can't be too hard on them, but I understand where you're coming from. I can yeah. be plenty hard on them, Rotag. Yep. You, you know, and it's like being hard that way, you know, actually teaches them some life skills because it's like first time I ever went away to overnight camp. Um, the camp director, first day when we had the orientation, he said every year I always get somebody who comes to me at the end of the first day and say, I need to call home. And he has to ask, well, what for? Oh, just to make sure everything's okay at home. So if you're away at summer camp. You're supposed to be here having fun, not worried about what's going on at home. But because they've gotten so used to just, you know, being so connected to their household, um, you know, it may even be getting a little bit homesick, but it's like it's good for you to be able to have that separation and not have to worry about, you know, what's going on in your familiar surroundings. So I, I, I think that, you know, being tough that way, you know, creates some, some degree of growth. And then I'm sure yeah. that employee probably comes back later on and say, hey, Dustin, thank you for, you know, for your advice. I yeah, but it takes time. It takes yeah, time to get time. that. That's true. That's true. Yeah. 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 And I, I was telling my son um, yesterday when we were driving home, like, uh, <laughs> funny, like I, I told him, I was like, man, you're eight, you're turning 18 in two days. He's about to graduate high school. And I'm like, that part of me that is 
not like is worried about anything happening is starting to kick in. Like there's a little bit of like, damn it, dude, now he's not going to be around all the time. Like he used to be, but then there's also the, like, how many times is he going to call me from jail? <laughs> you know, like, or is he, his terrible driving, is that ever going to get better? <laughs> you know, like, is he going to kill himself in an accident? You know? So like, I worry, but then I told him, I was like, dude, I, you need to fail and I need yeah. to watch you fail. And I, you need to feel what it's like to go chase after something and fall flat on your fucking face and be embarrassed and miserably. Because if you're not, you don't know how to handle any kind of pressure or stress and you have to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like when, you know, it's, it's like when you're constantly failing, you don't realize that you're being set up for success. And when you're in a situation where you're always succeeding, you don't realize that you're being set up for failure. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. The best thing you can learn is failing and then picking yourself back up from the fucking mud one yes. brutal handhold at a time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, man. And you're right. It is. It's a, oops, sorry. I just like, I like choked on my own spit. <laughs> <laughs> That's an emergency. Call 911. Fuck. I forgot what I was even saying. Uh, we were talking about your son and, um, oh, you know, you need to fail and you need to pick yourself up on your own power. Yeah. Oh, I think a lot of that too is how people are parented. You know, I don't, when I say like these young kids don't know how to blah, 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 I'm not just being like an old man complaining about the younger generation. I think it's a direct result of how we parent children now versus how children used to be parented. And, you know, back in like my folks generation, they just like let their kids go play and run like for yes. 12 hours through a day. They had no clue where they were. Half of them were breaking their arms, falling out of trees and not worrying about it. Cause they didn't want to tell dad and get beat with a belt, yes. you know, but like they had to just yes. figure stuff out and mm-hmm. they've that they knew what to do in situations because they just ran across problems. Nowadays, like we don't let our kids with out of our sight at all, and justifiably so. I mean, the world's way crazier, and the people in it are like we're kind of losing our mind as a culture, as a human culture. So, um, kids just I don't think are just out enough away from parents and having problems and having to figure things out, and then their parents are getting experiences. Yeah, and you know you really need to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like back then, nobody really bothered kids, but now you got yeah. all kinds of um, people who do. Yeah, yeah, on a huge scale. Yeah, and so his, uh, my son's mom is dealing with the whole, you know, emptiness syndrome differently. She's grabbing on even harder and like kind of all over him about everything. And like, are you, are you sure you can trust these people and where you're going to go move? How do you know you're not going to get mugged? And like, you know, like, do you have a plan for your life? You're not going to go to college. And, and it's just like really doing the opposite. And it's, you know, I'm stepping back and it's, it's weird because her and I are together. So we can't have a conversation about right. any of this with it, it being constructive. But it's like, I, I just tell him, I'm like, dude, I hope you fucking fail. Like, I, I will be the first person standing there laughing my ass off as you come out of jail for the first time. Yeah. But I'm also going to be the first one that cracks a beer and, has tell, and, and says, tell me the story. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, and it's like, um, 
you know, I have a nephew right now who's just making his way in the world, and his mother's always coddling him, and it's like, she's always checking, you know, well, does he know how to cook? Does he know how to go to the supermarket? And I said, look, he's going to get hungry one day. When he gets hungry, you know, he's going to figure out how to eat. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you don't have to go over there and cook for him every night, you know, to help him. Yeah. No, and like, he, he's got fucking the internet, so he can make whatever the fuck he wants to. Right, yep. Yeah, Jesus. but it's moms, dude. You know, moms are always they're like they're. It's very emotion first, and they just they care a lot and want to make sure their baby's I, okay. I don't Dad's know. I got, I got kicked out over a gallon of milk for my mom, so I don't. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling there might have been more. Oh, there was. <laughs> you're the first. You know, Dustin. You're the first person to realize that the shit that I say is a fucking bait. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I know your type. I resemble your type. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. So basically, um, when an accident happens, don't be a pansy and not do anything. But if you don't know what to do, it's totally okay to be a pansy and not do anything. <laughs> if you if you don't know what to do, just get safe, get to safety and stay at the fuck out of the way. And make sure you pull your phone out and record the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I like telling stories versus just showing a video. It feels like it has more of a impact when you tell a story. Yeah, yeah but if you have a person standing next to you that uh, has the video of the footage while you're telling their story and they pull their phone out, everybody's going to stop listening to you and go look at that phone. Me included. I'm gonna be like, I don't give a shit. Rotex, shut up. I want to see the video. Stop talking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but yes, okay, so like some levity to the situation. Um, if there is a emergency of some sort, the best thing to do is, like BDL said, like make sure everybody's safe, like people's safety is is the most, or actually I think maybe Rotex said that, sorry, either way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like the, the s- people's safety is the most important thing. You can let a building burn down. Yeah, it sucks. Somebody might get fired, um, but somebody's going to come in a big red truck and take care of the situation. Just immediately call nine one one. Let somebody that knows what to do take care of the situation. Just make sure everybody's safe and um, always, you know, don't don't step in and endanger yourself. Don't try to be a hero just for like the sake of it. But if there is something that you can do and it's and it makes sense to do so, like always step up and try to help people out and take care of the situation. And just keep in mind your uh, company's like pro- safety protocols and stuff. Like if there's a rally point in case of emergency, make sure you go to that and you follow all the rules there, so everyone can be accounted for. Be- because the the worst thing you can do is waste a fireman's life trying to find someone that was that was just wandering off in the port of Johns while the building burned down. Absolutely. Yeah, that is a good point. That's one thing that um, I've noticed when a lot of big things like this happen. The, uh, the the people in charge are usually really good about accounting for people and be like, hey, where is so-and-so? Where is so-and-so? Okay, have you seen them? Okay, where are they? They're right there. Okay, cool. And just making sure everybody's out of the situation. It's a really good point. Um, one thing that is worth definitely mentioning is, for those of you that do not know what it is, um, you should get a copy of the uh nfpa 70e so the national electrical code is nfpa 70 but 70e is the electrical safety book uh they make a handbook just like they make code books you know with like a hardbound um version with a whole bunch of extra interpretations and notes and pictures and stuff inside so i have the hardcover because it gives all the extra explanations and it shows different you know lockout tagout things 
but it talks a lot about there in, uh, in, in the book about the employer's responsibility. Um, employers have a duty to train people correctly. So if you're ever working at a company and they're not taking safety seriously, it's not a good company to work for, regardless of how pretty their work is or whatever. Um, people that take the time to actually have meetings and talk about electrical safety and talk about how to not get shocked and what the importance of bonding and grounding is and how to use lockout tag out, what a flash suit is. People that have these meetings in their company, it, they care about their employees. They want their people going home safe at the end of the day. And 70E talks about what employers are supposed to do and how they're supposed to train people and what the lines of liability are. But you have to know at the end of the day with your, with your company training you, no matter what they do to train you and no matter what you what books you read or whatever, however you try to prepare yourself, when a situation happens, all that shit goes out the window. And when you're the one around, it's up to you to handle the situation. So, you know, as, as much as people train for a, a certain incident, you're the last line of defense whenever something happens, because you're the one with your hands in the panel. So even if you have a culture of people that are working around and they're like, eh, don't worry about working with hot gloves and you don't have to worry about putting a flash suit on, like stop being a, you know, a wuss, like don't, feed into that. If you don't feel safe in a situation, it's your life. You know what I mean? So you're the last line of defense. And if you're not taking care of your PPE, like if you've got hot gloves that have burns on them and like holes in them because you've been using them to, I don't know, like drive ground rods with, um, that's your fault. You know, like you need to be checking your own PPE and making sure that it's not damaged. Everything's electrically rated. All that stuff's got to be inspected. Make sure that you're keeping all of your equipment really safe. Like you, you're the last line of defense. So, yeah, the NFPA 70E is designed for the employer, but really, you're the one that has to execute on it. So, just keep that in mind. But all of that said, I think that's all I got. You guys got anything else? Yeah. So, you know, along those lines, you know, when we're talking about like emergency standards and safety standards, um, a lot of times, you know, we'll think that, you know, this is just something that somebody came up with to make our jobs harder and just to be more annoying. But if you ever read some of these OSHA stories on the OSHA website, uh, you'll find that a lot of these rules came into place because somebody got seriously injured, somebody died, or something really, really bad happened. And so if, you know, a safety inspector comes along and says, you can't do this, you know, it's not because they're trying to, you know, give you a hard time or, or, or make your day bad. Um, that's all I have. Yeah, almost everything with, with OSHA is because somebody got killed. You know, or like, or there's a a pandemic of people getting injured about a specific thing. And that's why most of the materials are designed the way they are. That's why most tools are designed the way they are is because of that. So we do have to take it seriously. And a lot of people I know I've been on high rises before. You got a whole team of safety people with shiny hard hats and no dirt on them and clean fingernails walking around with their stupid clipboards telling you to put your safety glasses back on. There is a level of it that's the liability insurance for the entire job, and it's their duty to protect the liability of the job and of the builder and to make sure that nobody gets sued. So the reason they're all up in your butt as a safety person 
is usually because of an insurance reason and they're being paid and that's their job to be there. So you don't have to be a jerk, you know, when they, you're not wearing your safety glasses and they come up and say, wear your safety glasses, just put your damn safety glasses on. Like you're the one in the wrong when you're sitting there bucking them and rolling your eyes and getting pissed off. I do realize though, there are some times where it is completely impractical impractical for you to have your hard hat on because you're stuffed inside of a piece of equipment. There's no light. You know, you're like sitting there with a headlamp and putting a headlamp, uh, uh, a hard hat on is like not feasible, but sometimes you just have to like do whatever you have to do to be safe. Because again, you're the last line of defense. And that's- right. I, don't the, yeah, I don't know what the statistics are, but it's like a lot of downtime on job sites and lost man hours is because somebody disregarded a uh, safety standard and they created a, an unnecessary emergency. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, go ahead. I said, if all this is going over your head, you can't spend your paycheck if you're dead. So... And we will end on that note. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, no, you're right. So, uh, all of you crazy people, please be safe out there. Um, take safety seriously, and you're the you're the one that has to uh, suffer the repercussions of it or the rewards of it either way. So, love you, crazy people. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you in the next one.